Done. But it's just such a funny image, though. You know, like Liza Minnelli helping them, you know, like, you know, put together IKEA furniture. <laughs> and she's like, where's the Allen key? I'm crying. <laughs> what good is sitting alone in your room when you don't have any furniture? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Fierce Females of History podcast, where we tell the stories of women from history that you should know about. My name's Talissa. I'm Erin. And I'm Lucy. And I'm very passionate. <laughs> <laughs> you should know about them and you will know about them. You must know about them or we will kill you. <laughs> we'll find you and we will kill you. We'll to listen to our lovely podcast. Yeah, and our voices. And uh, this week's episode, Erin. Yes. It's yours. Oh, I'm excited about this one. Oh, really? She was a busy woman. Very busy woman. Okay. That's That's a side of jazz Just another busy mum. Yes. Okay. All right. So, very famous. Okay. Oh, no. Well. (laughs) You set this up and then I never know who people are. (laughs) Just pretend. (laughs) Josephine Baker. Ooh. If you don't, I'm really excited. I don't know if I I don't know. The name isn't instantly ringing a bell. I will t- okay, well do you know what will ring a bell? One of the most memorable images of Josephine Baker is her banana skirt dance. No? You haven't seen a banana skirt? Uh, no. Okay, it's only because it's been referenced so much in history through fashion the- and film. Lucy knows. I'm googling it. No? Vaguely. Well, this is getting me excited then. This now is we why we do the like podcast. Yeah, Josephine Baker's most memorable, most Ooh. iconic. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm googling the image. Banana skirt. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Beyonce wore a banana skirt on stage at the something something. I probably saw the skirt and just didn't know. What yeah. The so and holy guacamole. Rihanna, Rihanna, Rihanna. Remember when she rocked up at that award ceremony? Yeah, yeah with the nipples she, out. That's Josephine Baker inspired. I can see that now. Mm. A lot of references in history. Dang, Josephine Baker. Okay. She's a stylish so woman. She's amazing. So not only was Josephine a world-renowned performer, singer, actress, amazing and like vaudeville burlesque star. But she was also a French spy in World War Two. Casual. Love that. What? A civil rights activist, bisexual woman, and owner of exotic pets. She also mothered twelve children. Oh my god. Cheaper by the dozen. What the fuck is I this? I actually lady? need to take I'm my sorry, jumper off. I'm, I'm sweating. <laughs> this is so many pies and so many pies fingers that was the wrong way around i'm stressed this is a lot cracks knuckles let's go oh my god oh my god did they call it a baker's dozen oh my god oh my god no baker's dozen is 13 isn't it yeah but with her 13 13 she actually called the her 12 adopted children (gasps) adopted children i'll get to a bit later but basically all 12 of them were from different racial backgrounds. Oh. And she called them the Rainbow Tribe. <laughs> Stop. Yes. She's my goals she's a, in life. She's, a, she's an icon left, right, and center. Left All right, center. let's dive in. Okay. So, as I mentioned, the banana skirt, let's remember that. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. Okay. Okay. So, Frida Josephine McDonald was born the 3rd of June, 1906, in St. Louis, Missouri. Very poor childhood. It wasn't an easy time for her. Her mother, Carrie McDonald, was a washerwoman who was, who had abandoned her own dreams of becoming a performer, which Aww. I think contributed to a bit of her kind of bitterness towards Josephine going on to do so well. Hectic. 
Which is tough, yeah. And her dad, Eddie Carson, was a vaudeville drummer, but he left after Josephine was born. So it has been said that her father, her father Eddie, wasn't her true father and that it may have been a white man. Okay. Which her son later goes on to write a memoir about his mother and he basically, that could She's, be speculated. She could be mixed race. Yeah, she basically. could be mixed race. Okay. okay. So she... Her mum then went on to remarry and have lots of other three other kids rather, and so to help support the family, Josephine had to start working as a house cleaner and a babysitter from the age of eight. Wow! Whoa. Yeah, and she was always she was like living on the street. She got really street smart. Um, I think she was playing in like the railway yards, casual stuff as a kid. <laughs> it's yep. chill. Um, she ended up being sent off to work in the home of an employer who treated her really badly. Of course, made her sleep in the basement, burnt her hands when she stuffed up a load of washing. Oh, shit. Yeah. Louise. It wasn't it wasn't a fun time for her. She did eventually drop out of school and continued to run because her mum and hers relationship was very strained. Um, and I think that's another reason why it was is because her it was speculated that her father was white. Just there was a lot of tensions. Tension, a lot of, you know, elements. Yeah. Anyway, so she did eventually run away. She ran away from home at thirteen. Um, and she lived on the streets and would earn money by dancing on the street corner. Um, she did eventually get a job as a waitress in a club where she would there was a live band there, so Ooh. she would, you know, l- listen to the music and the instrumentalists and sort of copy their moves and stuff like that. So she also had a pa- always had a passion for performing. There she met her first husband, Willie Wells. Is this the plotline of burlesque? I was literally <laughs> about to say the same thing. Yeah. I couldn't think of burlesque. I kept thinking cabaret. And I was like, that's not right. It's the one with Christina Aguilera. What's it called? Burlesque. <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to well, say. Maybe, partly. I don't know. Maybe is that's she going to make an appearance? <laughs> please, 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 please. please. She pretty... stops an evil developer <laughs> at some point along the, <laughs> along the track. McSteamy comes Wait, along. Wait, who else is it? Um, Stanley Tucci. Stanley, Stanley Tucci. Tucci. Stanley Tucci. And James from Twilight. Yes. yes. Where's, where's a lot of eyeliner? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Stanley Tucci is playing someone in this story. There oh, are some so. amazing, amazing figures of history that are in this story, though. Okay. So strap in. Okay. Click, clack, front and back, Erin. So she meets (laughs) Willie Wells there. They get married. She's apparently 13, but says she's 15. I don't think that's much better, but anyways. (laughs) They don't stay together for very long. She divorces him after that when she starts working um, in a street performing group called the Jones Family Band. Then they get picked up by a vaudeville show um, with the Dixie Steppers. And so she was performing with them and then she starts going on tour with them Whoa. and she's just like, I love to perform. At like 13-ish. Drops out of school. Yep. Wow. Stars yep, in yep, 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 yep. And I, I also read that she, obviously she didn't end up finishing her education and I think when her career picked up and she was signing autographs, it was very, it was like a squiggle. <laughs> <laughs> like, bless her socks. Anyway, so then she, her big dream was to be a part of the chorus line. The okay. St. Louis, Louis Chorus line. And she didn't fit the bill, so to speak, inverted commas, but she persisted and kept badgering and badgering the show manager until eventually someone fell ill and then she took their spot. Ooh. Fell ill? <laughs> fell ill. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. A little bit of duty gin going on. Moving on. <laughs> Classic duty. Go back and listen. Go back and listen episode to duty 12. gin. Episode 12. Anyway, so she's performing in the chorus line. Um, this continued to put a strain with her mother. She, and I think that was also just a bit of bitterness, of course, as I said, because, you know, her mum had to give up her own dreams. Uh, eventually, she did marry her second husband in 1921 at the age of 
actually at the age of 15 this time. His name was also Willie, Willie Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was about the time when her career started to pick up and she started to make a name for herself, so she just kept his name gotcha. from then on. But then they divorced, I think, within the same year or something like that So because mm-hmm. she was like, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy being fabulous. Um, I can't have. I can't possibly have a boyfriend. I have to focus on my acting career. Exactly, exactly. exactly. And I think her mum was a bit sassy that she wasn't be with your husband. He's there to be, you know, he's a good guy. You should just clean houses and be with your husband. But like, it's the time. I mean, it's what she feels like they're meant to do. Like, You're you ruining know? my life. That's uh, your dream, mom, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so part of the show, she she was on the chorus line, and she actually ended up going to New York. And wow. joining Broadway at a really significant time when African-American performances were just making it on Broadway. Wow. So she was a part of a lot of big shows at the time. And her gig, her signature part, was that she would be at the end of the chorus line. And she was really famous for being a comedic dancer and okay. a comedic performer, not just a dancer. Because she was a fantastic dancer. But what she would do is she would perform the whole show pretty much as though she didn't know what she was doing. (laughs) That's amazing. Until the encore and then she would just like bust it perfectly and she would just outshine the rest of the chorus line. That's really pretty fantastic. Yeah. So that was kind of her thing and then that's how everyone was like, oh, my God, this African-American woman, she's so talented. Like, And because obviously African-American on stage was such a big deal, it was so different, it kind of became that sort of figure and she was talented as well so obviously people were like oh my god she's amazing she went on to become the highest paid chorus girl as well in vaudeville so that's pretty amazing wow wow controversially a lot of her performances did feature blackface representations okay Mm -hmm. which is obviously something that is not cool no at all a sign of the times though a massive sign of the times and i think it had a lot to do with why she left america okay there was a lot of reasons why she left america she and I think that was one of them. But later on in an interview, she basically just says, yeah, I, I hated America. It didn't let her be as free as mm. as she wanted to be. Yeah. Right. Yep. Anyways, so she ends up going to America and yeah, that's it. So she told this, it was an interview in the 70s actually with The Guardian and she said, I couldn't stand America. It was one of the first, I was one of the first coloured Americans to move to Paris where that's when I became famous. That's when I really got my big break. So she moved to Paris at the age of 19 and she performed at the famous Theatre Champs-Élysées. Oh, Full disclosure, I have terrible uh, French pronunciation. <laughs> what? <laughs> Things will be a little bit bogan on my end over here. That's right. Um, Saint Croissants. Saint Saint Croissants, if you play. That's five croissants, please. I'm very proud of myself for teaching you that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. With my brilliant French that I learned in year seven at school. I'll never forget when I walked right into that French bakery and I was like sank croissant see vous play and they were like sorry and I was like couple have five croissants they're like yeah no worries <laughs> <laughs> just don't offend Damn our it. language ever again <laughs> um anyway so Josephine moves to Paris at 19 and gets a gig with the uh La Revue Niche beautiful French that was really bad <laughs> can I just like love the country you know what love get it language. up and we're gonna put in the what Google tells us how to say it we'll put this in now La Revue Negre La Revue Negre beautiful Ooh. and this was perfect for her she was obviously 
it was at a time where jazz was coming on the scene. It was the roaring 20s. Flapper dancing was exploding on the That's scene. So cool. Erotic dancing was new to Paris. Ooh, la la. You know, Paris was an amazing place for artists because they were they could just they were so free to do mm. what they wanted to do and she was just like, "Fuck yeah, this is where it's at." She made her mark with her an erotic performance and her comedic dancing style, um, which included her iconic topless dance of the Dance Sauvage performance wearing the banana skirt. <gasps> right. That's where that comes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, So she – that was in Paris in 1927 at the Folie Hazel. Folie Hazel. <laughs> where she basically comes down from this palm tree on stage dressed in nothing but a string of pearls, wrist cuffs and a skirt made of rubber bananas. Amazing. It's amazing. It's awesome. Oh, my goodness. I'm, yeah, I'm really having cool. another look at these photos because yeah, 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 they're look, too cool. It's awesome. And then, yeah. And then I think what happened was they ended up um, – they got these American audiences in, so then she was wearing a, a crop top. Which oh, is, right. Yeah, like a bra. Because, yeah, like the photo – if you Google it, the photo you see, I'm sure we'll put this on our Instagram mm-hmm. as well. Oh, yeah, we will um, be. Is, yeah, like a bralette and some pearls and yep. a banana skirt. Yeah, so that was more for when the Westerners came – well, the Americans came oh, over and started on, to watch get, the show. Get cultured. Yeah. Okay, so her, took, her career took off from there and she just became this iconic sex symbol performer – extraordinaire and she ends up ends up meeting this guy named Giuseppe Pepito. Oh, good day. Okay. And I'm pretty sure he was like a tradie who claimed he was a count. Okay. Less of a good name now. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. And he he also looks like um Gomez Adams from the Adams Family movie. So that's also a fun fact. Um, but he they became lovers and he convinced her to be her manager. Co- convinced her, yeah. Convinced her to make him her manager. Yes. Yeah. He stage mom. Bad. Yes. Okay. Well, no, no, no. He okay. actually was quite helpful. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. instantly, no, man as a manager. Bad, get out. <laughs> escape, escape. A man Please. enters the plot. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that's how a lot of these. good. That's how a lot of these stories go, though. Not with Josephine. Okay, good. No, no, good, no, good, no, good, no. Good, good, so good. she goes on to star in several European films. Ooh. She went to score her most successful song in 1931, which is the Jedusa, Jezu, Jedu. <laughs> I can't wait to make this compilation. I, <laughs> I just can't wait to put all these together. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. Amour. Beautiful. Amour. I don't know if that was good or not. Which means but... my two loves. Oh. Now, it's claimed that it's about her love of Paris and her love of home. But people also say that it's about the fact that she loves men and women. Because our girl Josephine was bisexual. Love that for her. Such a cool chick. So basically, she she also befriended lots of famous artists who took a lot of inspiration from her, including Ernest Hemingway, not the greatest guy when it comes to writing about women. But hey, he said that she was like one of the most fascinating women of all time. Mm -hmm. Pablo Picasso. Are mates. they around at the same time? He did a painting about her. Yeah, yeah I thought dude. that these would be. Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, there was. Yeah, dude. It's so weird how things cross over, and mm-hmm. in my brain, they're so separated. And the best rumor of all is that she was intimate with Frida Kahlo. Oh. Oh my God. Yeah. Plot twist. Because Frida was in Paris for one of her art tours or her art exhibitions at the same time as all of this going down Stop. and so she was bisexual she had a lot of lady lovers in the shows mm-hmm. among the cast but I really like this because it was almost like they were sticking together against mm. the sort of systematic abuse that was right. you know a big part of the whole because these women were sex symbols these were yeah. topless dancers artists entertainers yeah. you know and then the French it's a French thing but then you've got Americans coming over and you've got you know 
it, it would have been a difficult time in general to be a woman, but then to be a performer where audiences are coming that don't get the cultural aspect of, hey, things are okay in Paris, we're cool with this stuff, and then, you know, more conservative people come over and yeah. see it. Which is why that banana skirt performance got changed with a crop top. Just yeah. Right, to make it more... Yeah. What's it? When, it's to make, literally it's palatable. to make the audience feel Pal- more comfortable, yeah. and yeah. that's a big reason why blackface became a part of performances, and it was only to make the audience more comfortable with a person of color on stage, which is just fucking ridiculous. But anyways, it's also rumored that she had been romantic with the famous writer Colette, who also drew inspiration from Josephine. Colette Heyman, that does the accessories. <laughs> or Colette Dinnigan, who does the clothes. Oh yeah. No, the famous writer, guys. <laughs> God. Um, so she was just like living her best life in France, becoming famous, rubbing shoulders with all these amazing people inspiring them because she was just one of a kind she was this african-american woman just absolutely on fire killing her yeah she spent a lot of her wealth on the finer things in life Mm -hmm. but one of her most notable expenditures was her menagerie of pets wow um that all wore diamonds okay oh my god i love it so much yep she had a pet cheetah named chiquita chiquita (laughs) cheetah yep yes who was like I mean, she took it everywhere. She no, it everywhere. because exotic animals should not be held in captivity. But sure, continue, please. But Chiquita with a collar of diamonds, and she often jumped into the orchestra pit to like just really amp up the performance. Far out. I know, I know. And there's, I think, the Vogue editor, editor at the time was saying how they went to this movie premiere and there was like a scene where there was these cheetahs running around or whatever, and she turned around and there was Josephine sitting with her cheetah just chilling watching this movie and she was like oh you bought your cheetah to see the cheetahs and she was like yeah that's exactly what i did so curious if chiquita likes cheetah girls because that would be <laughs> a very important moment of inspiration <laughs> with the diamonds um and then they just went outside and jumped in the back of a rolls royce and took off what yeah, is this like woman she also had a pet horse named tomato a tomato <laughs> tomato yep a goat that i think hung out in her dressing room a snake a pig named albert who wore perfume okay because you never know. You never know who you're going to bump into. You're meet the love of your yeah. life. You've got to be spruced up. And my personal favourite, a chimpanzee named Ethel. Oh, Ethel. Ethel's a cool it's name. It's a great name. I just love the concept of a middle-aged person's name for a pet. Like a Helen, mm-hmm. a Stacey. They're good names. Ethel. Well, that's more of an old lady name. But, you know. Yeah. Stephen. Gotcha. Stephen. Fred. Yeah, it's great. So one of my favourite depictions of Josephine... And Chiquita is a vintage poster done by the artist Louis Gardiner. And it's basically Baker being presented with a bouquet of flowers by Chiquita the Cheetah. Show, show, show and it's us. fabulous, darling. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's so cool. Whoa, birthday, that's awesome. birthday present, guys, if you're wondering. Um, what I um, yeah, Okay. So she's loving it. She's killing it. She's living her best life. She's like, you know what? I'm going to go back to my home country and perform and see if I get the same reception over there. It was almost like a, an experiment. Yeah, a little bit of A-B testing. But also like a, fuck, I'm awesome. Yeah, Let's go show them what I'm made of. I just don't know if it's going to end well. She returned to America in 1936 and was not received very well. She received a lot of degrading reviews uh, where she was called a wench, that her voice was Ew. too thin, whatever the hell that means. That's like, it, I mean, I know that this was, what, the 1930s, but even... By that point, it's like, guys, that joke was out of fashion mm-hmm. in the 1600s. Yeah. yeah. And saying someone's voice is too thin, like, I personally would take that as a compliment. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. I once to- got told I had thin veins, and I was like, oh, thank you. And they were like, not good, not good. But thin does not mean good but or what, better. No, what, what, 
Yeah, I literally don't know what that's supposed to mean, honestly. Um, obviously, a lot of venues turned her down because she's a woman of colour. I think there was about 36 hotels that were like, sorry, no. Um, she was like, fuck this, went back to Paris, was like, go back to where I am more appreciated for what I do. Yeah, good. And mm-hmm. she actually abandoned her American citizenship <gasps> in the process and got married to a French man named Jean Lyon in 1937 and got her French citizenship. There Woo! you go. Bye, Felicia. Sometimes, yeah. you know, your home is not where you should stay. Moving on to the next major phase in her life is when the Nazis invaded France in 1937. Uh, so Josephine was like, no, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use as much as I can to my ability to try and help out here. So mm-hmm. she worked for the Red Cross and became a part of the resistance. Yes. Yeah, she did. She used her diva status to extract information from enemy leaders because she was on tour at the time. So she would get invited Whoa. to all the top parties, rub shoulders with all the top military personnel. And they're just underestimating and the governors. Her. And she was like, flirty, flirt, McFlirt, flirt, information, information. <laughs> yep. She transported the secret information whilst on her tour, hiding secret notes with invisible ink on her sheet music. Oh, oh my God. And hiding information and photos under her undies or within her outfits, deeming... How dare anybody have the audacity to strip search the Josephine Baker? Oh, my God. I love her so much. And they didn't. She got away with it. Um, At the time, she was actually quite ill as well with pneumonia and also suffered several miscarriages, which did lead to her having to have a hysterectomy. But she still went on to entertain the troops and continue out her spite work. The show must go on. Homegirls, literally. How does she do it? I don't know. Man, she's, she's a queen. She's a fierce female, isn't she? After the war and after all the work that she did with the resistance, she was awarded two major military honours, the Croix de Guerre, Croix, Croix de Guerre and the Legion of Honour. <laughs> Got that one. Got well that. done. <laughs> Stick to what you know. Stick to what you know. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry for any French listeners. Do we even have French listeners? Je suis très désolé. They're like, fuck this shit. Excuse me. That's not even French. Okay. Nope. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Okay, Pardon? I love France and I love I love I love Paris. I love France. Like I literally love it I so much. I think it's okay that we can't speak another like it's not sure. Should we know a second language in Australian schools? Should we learn them? I think so, yes. But do I think that French people are going to be offended because we can't speak in the exact same accent as them? Maybe. No. I just want you to know I love I love Paris. Okay, so after all of that, she was like, I'm going to keep this ball rolling. And she turned her attention to the civil rights movement happening back in America. Because she's done enough already. I know. And although throughout this whole process, she did predominantly stay in France, she still did a lot. She was very involved. She did go back, back and forth, but she did go back to the US and did another tour around America. Mm -hmm. And... She refused to play in any segregated clubs. She gave lectures about her own experiences with discrimination. So she was very active in making sure that people heard her voice as part of the whole movement. Um, One of my favourite stories is in 1951 when she was was dining at the Stork Club in New York, which was this ritzy, prestigious place. And she was at one table. I've heard of that. The Stork Club. Yeah. Oh been there once or twice Lucy <laughs> no I, I haven't been there thanks for the invite so one of my favorite stories is when she's back in New York in 1951 and she was having dinner with a group of friends at one table and on another table with a separate group of friends was Princess Grace of Monaco oh just chilling out well wow. right okay so yeah. basically what happens is the waiters are clearly very racist and uh, not waiting on 
her at all, on Josephine at all, because of her colour. Yuck. Yep. And Princess Grace catches wind of this and she's like, sorry, what? No. Grabs Josephine, storms out and says, I'm never coming back <gasps> here ever again. Wow. wow. They were best friends ever since. Allyship in action. Mm. Oh, I love yeah, that. Really cool. Got to be an ally, you know? Exactly. Solidarity. Exactly. That's exactly it. Um, so they became besties from then on. She then went on to marry her fourth husband by this stage uh, in 1947, who was a French orchestra leader named Joe Bouillon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or Bouillon. Or Bouillon. No, don't question yourself. We <laughs> lied to the first time. And this is when she went on to mother 12 adopted children of different racial backgrounds. And she called them the Rainbow Tribe. This is a quote, actually. I just want to say I got this quote from a website called Sky Sirens, which is this Sydney burlesque pole dancing aerial school. It's a really cool website. I loved it. Um, And basically what she said about the Rainbow Tribe is all children of different ethnicities and religions could still be brothers. That was the whole point of her. She was trying to prove a point. Yeah. Right? And she also said, surely the day will come when colour means nothing more than the skin tone, when religion is seen uniquely as a way to speak to one's soul, when birthplaces have the weight of a throw of the dice and all men are born free, when understanding breeds love and brotherhood. Controversial. How do we feel about collecting children of different races to prove a point? This was actually very controversial because not only was that and and a lot of the kids actually came out as they became adults and said well it wasn't all sunshine Sunshine and daisies yeah she actually had so I think it was in Paris in their house in Paris people people could come and visit and the kids would always be in the yard playing together because it kind of sounds like an extension of her exotic animal Mm -hmm. menagerie wow ew do you know what I mean perspective but I understand what you're saying it was maybe I'm being, maybe, yeah, I'm probably being a bit too judgmental, but no, it was. I think it's interesting. That's all. It was, I think that her intentions were good, but I think that there was a way to go about it. And, but at the same time, there was no social media. She couldn't just chuck up a picture on her Instagram and be like, yeah. look how great my family's doing. Like she, her mentality was like, the only way people are yeah. going to understand this yeah. is if I go out and about with all my 12 kids and we get photos together, if yeah. I invite people to the McMansion and the kids are all playing Sound of Music, Do Re Me in the, the courtyard. <laughs> like, Yeah. We it, are but it one. is controversial because I, I think they even may have been like, you can pay to see my kids. It's oh, almost like what? a zoo. Yeah. I don't okay. know if that's confirmed. Um Okay, so moving on to uh, the March on Washington. Just before Martin Luther King gave his famous I Have a Dream speech, she was like his original hype girl. And she. I can't believe this is all in the same era. I know. She was the only official female speaker there. Not the only female speaker, but the official speaker there where she she rocked up you know french military uniform adorned with her medals of honor of course that's so cool and she spoke of african-american women and the civil rights movement she introduced rosa parks and daisy bates who also spoke <laughs> super casual life this woman is living <laughs> now some people were actually kind of against her big personality in the whole civil rights movement because she had left america can't she had her own reasons for leaving her, and she actually mm-hmm. spoke about them. She came back. And she also did like, every time. If she hadn't left, she wouldn't have the platform. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She can't. Yeah. Exactly. She's exactly. using a platform for good. Exactly. Yeah. They weren't. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to have people who are like, hang on, who is this person speaking 
What's their right? You yeah. Know? In one of my favourite parts of her speech is, I have walked into the palaces of kings and queens and into the houses of presidents and much more, but I could not walk into a hotel in America and get a cup of coffee. And that made me mad. And when I get mad, you know that I open my big mouth and then look out because when Josephine opens her mouth, they hear it all over the world. That's great. I love Mic drop. That is probably one of my favourite quotes I've ever Which heard. Which kind of goes back to, yes, people had issues with her because she had quote unquote abandoned her home country for France, but that was why. Yeah. You know? And then she's coming back to be like, let's right the wrongs, yo. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing. No. Then from that she she was very prominent in this movement. After the assassination of Martin Luther King, his wife actually went to Josephine and offered her his role as leader of the civil rights movement. And Josephine was like, I'm going to sleep on it, but I'm not too sure. Like, this is a huge opportunity, obviously. But she decided in the end that out of the safety of her 12 children, she was like, it's actually probably a safer option for me not to. Just because she's got them to think about, et cetera, et cetera. Apparently, you care about your kid when you have one. I don't know. (laughs) Just imagine it's your dog. 12 dogs. I'd be like, no. (laughs) I think some some people even love their children. I know. Great stuff. Yeah. Okay. So she ends up turning down the role. And then in 1961, the NAACP dedicates May the 20th as Josephine Baker Day. Woohoo. After all, of course, all of her civil rights work. She was always an advocate for the civil rights movement, but she was also first and foremost a mother. Um, and I think her husband ended up leaving her just before she adopted the 11th kid or just after. He was like, you know what? I'm out. We're running out of room. <laughs> 10 was fine, but 11's a crowd. <laughs> I'll tap out. You can have, you can have my room. Anyways, um, <laughs> she also did continue to perform here and there because life's a stage. 100%. Darling. Mm-hmm. I see that. At the age of 66, she did a performance at Carnegie Hall in New York and just she actually was brought to tears because she got this massive standing ovation. And I think I think it's the first time that she really felt like America had accepted her and mm. saw her for her the talent that she had. Wow. Imagine doing all that and then... At the age of 66. Yeah. Being like, oh, okay, now I feel accepted. Yeah, yeah it's pretty tough. Far out. In 1975, the likes of Mick Jagger, Liza Minnelli, Diana Liza Ross, Minnelli. Jackie Kennedy Onassis, and of course, her gal pal, uh, Princess Grace, all rocked up for the 50 years in showbiz performance honouring the Josephine Baker in 1975. Again, how is this all in the same it's lifetime? Amazing. It's crazy. She was 68 years old. And she took to the stage and it was just this amazing... Pa- it was in Paris at the Bobo Theatre mm-hmm. and blew away the audience. I mean, hello. Liza Minnelli's in the audience. <laughs> She's an Just quickly well. on Liza Minnelli, I read a headline the other day that just couldn't... I couldn't stop laughing at it and it was... Liza, Liza Minnelli denies helping Harry and Meghan settle into LA home. So someone has gone to Liza <laughs> Minnelli and they've been like, hey, we've heard a rumour that you're helping Harry and Meghan, you know, settle in. And she's been like, no. And that's the story. Liza Minnelli denies <laughs> helping them move in. Ch- you, in that 
in that tone, you could go up to Elton John denies having helped Harry and Meghan settle into home. That's just so like, funny. Elton, Elton, did you help Harry and Meghan? Um, did you help them lift some boxes, did you? And he's like, no, I didn't. You're like, great, edit, I've got the, I've got the leading story, like, front page of the paper, let's do it, let's get started. It's uh, Elton John denies. It's just such a funny image though, you know, like Liza Minnelli helping them, you know, like, you know, put together Ikea furniture. I'm imagining <laughs> it. like, where's the Allen key? Okay, so after her amazing 50 years in showbiz performance, days later, unfortunately, Josephine Baker passed away in bed after a brain bleed. But, and this is the best part, she was found in bed peacefully surrounded by newspapers of her raving reviews. I love that. That's amazing. Oh, what an absolute queen. What a way to go, yeah. first and foremost. Yeah, she was amazing. And then she became the first female to be buried in France with French military honours as well because of all the work that she did in World War wow. II. Wow. Awesome. pretty cool. But the fact, just the image of her just lying peacefully off to rest and surrounding by her raving reviews. I just, oh, she's an icon. Yeah. That like, is probably one of the most like iconic women that we've talked about. Iconic, fun, revolutionary, Unique. and just fabulous. Have they made so a movie? About actually, her? so let's talk about the depictions. So there's been a few films made, and she's also been, uh, th- but nothing that's like an in-depth Western film yeah. that is. It should be like The Crown. But dude. Josephine Baker, oh, and, you know, two different periods in her life. Oh, my God, the cast. Well, there, There's I just think, so many people. Yeah, well, oh. I think people, it's been, like, speculated that if they ever make a movie, Rihanna would play Josephine Baker. That'd be great. One of my favourite depictions is of Josephine is in Anastasia. Yes, animated I kept film. thinking about it. The woman with the cheetah. Yes. How wild is that? Yeah, but there's no, like, her, her movie, her life is just. Oh, and she's also in the movie Frida. Oh yeah, she's her lover. There definitely needs to be. I'm seeing, I'm seeing, you know, a high production value yeah. Netflix series that tracks her life. Yeah, it's just a matter of finding the right person to play such an amazing woman. We can have Liza Minnelli in it in the last last episode, and just like, hey, I just got back from helping Harry and Meghan settle <laughs> into their new home. <laughs> so much for that awesome story oh and honestly i feel like there's still so much more to talk about so many little tidbits but she just had the most amazing abundant life it's crazy yeah i don't hate i think it's ever fitted into this podcast it sounds so awesome but that does bring us to another episode of fierce females of history podcast as always you can find us on instagram at fierce females podcast or contact contact us contact, contact us. us now you tell those French words you can't say English words <laughs> <laughs> at fiercefemalesofhistory at gmail.com please if you've got anyone you think we should cover shout it out let yes. us know we're keen we're also on Facebook yes. Fierce Females of History podcast we post all that content on there as well get in touch with us on there we're on yeah, there slide into any of our DMs please <laughs> please, please. <laughs> or let's say that you're you're in the ether okay. but you're a fan what you can do mm-hmm. go find Whoopi Goldberg yep inhabit her body convince us that it's you that's inside her by levitating a, a coin off her palm we also get to meet Whoopi Goldberg in this story just yeah quietly. it's cool I know and we'll share a slow dance one after the other we'll say the things to each other that need to be said mm-hmm. And then before you enter the next realm, you'll be lit up from behind. We'll have a cheery farewell and we'll take on your feedback and your advice and your thoughts and your criticisms and your suggestions and then we'll bid you on farewell on your way to the afterlife. Mm -hmm. 
Guys, I made this up. I made this vase. <laughs> <laughs> different movie. No, it's ghosts. No, it's, it's ghosts. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I want to find Patrick yeah. Swayze. I'm going to touch my clay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Patrick Swayze, touch my clay. <laughs>